0: I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that it was all
1: started by a mouse.
2: Hello, we're out there in podcast land. This is the Beyond the Mouse Podcast, the podcast for all things Disney, for NPR Illinois Community Voices, and for the Front Row Network. I am your host, Craig, and I'm joined today by my co hosts, Mr. Brett Rutherford. Hello. And Miss <laughs> Vanessa Ferguson. Hello. We have another great, great great interview uh coming your way today i'm so excited that we get the chance to sit down and talk to academy award-winning director brenda chapman uh so excited for this talk brett talk to me all about your excitement
0: oh well you know I, when i was doing the research because i knew a little bit but i when i was doing research i found out so much more and i was just impressed so i can't wait to ask her
2: all sorts of questions yeah yes. vanessa your thoughts
1: I am so excited about her new movie. We got a chance to watch Come Away, and I can't wait to talk to her about it. Also, um, this whole interview is like legitimizing my Disney love with my brother and my family. So, scoring this interview makes me legit. So, so excited I, to talk to her.
2: I feel like you're going to ask about that later on in the interview. Oh, we'll see. Uh, I where for it comes sure back I'm for sure going to
1: tell her all about it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I. I Right at the top, just in case, uh, for whatever reason, it doesn't come up as much. I I need to tell you, uh, Come Away is available, video on demand. Right now, you can watch this film. uh, And it truly is a beautiful retelling, reimagining, a whimsical look at Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland. uh, And it's just an all-star, studded cast. Uh, We have some questions about that. We can't wait to talk to her about all of that. I should also mention that I had the chance to interview Brenda... Chapman and Kevin Lima back at the uh, Lincoln Film Festival in 2017. It was Brandon Davis and I, we interviewed them. It was so funny, such a funny story. Uh, Our mics were not working that day. So I put my iPhone in the middle of a pickle jar bucket uh, and we gathered around in like folding chairs in the movie theater. And that's how we interviewed. Uh, That's how the interview went. It was so much fun. They were so gracious with their time. Brenda (laughs) and Kevin are just phenomenal people and so I can't wait for this conversation so with that let's go ahead and go right to our interview with Brenda Chapman and we welcome to Beyond the Mouse and NPR Illinois Community Voices podcast Brenda Chapman hi Brenda it's nice to have you
3: nice to be here thank you
2: Absolutely. So we're so fortunate to get the chance to speak with you. It's actually funny. I was looking and it was three years ago today that I had the uh, ability to interview you at the Lincoln Film Festival. So it's awesome that it worked out that it was today that we were doing this. Um, (laughs) But I, I wanted to talk to you about fairy tales. Because it seems like fairy tales play such such an important part of your career, whether that's uh, with Brave at Pixar, or whether that's uh, your new film, Come Away. It does seem like you have such an interesting take on fairy tales. Uh, Even Twas Entertainment is the name of your company. (laughs) Uh, So what is it about fairy tales in particular that draws you to them?
3: Well, I, I grew up on them um so from such a young age um when I was before I could read my uh, one of my older brothers who's 16 years older than me um used to read Dell comics and he loved the westerns and whatever and but when he would go to this grocery store wherever he got his he would pick me up the junior classics um and so I could just look at the pictures and I had He brought me Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, The Enchanted Fish, (laughs) just all these things. And then when I got old enough to start reading them, I read those and then I started reading the books and I just have, there's such a fascinating world to me, you know, Um, and I love period pieces. So that fits right into that as well. So
2: yeah, that's a perfect marriage there for sure. Brett, (laughs) I think you have our next question.
0: Well, when I was completing research for our interview, I was struck by the diversity of experiences you've had in your career. In between artist for Who Framed Roger Rabbit and director for both animated and live action films, including The Prince of Egypt, Brave and Now Come Away, and writer for a number of films, including, quote, the first full length animated film in cinema history to be nominated for a Best Picture Oscar, Beating the Beast, end quote. Wow. So very impressive, and a Central Illinois native, so very inspirational to us, too. So, So, well, I happened to be at the Disney Studios in Burbank in January of 1990 on a cast member studio tour uh, around the time The Little Mermaid came out, so I remember... I mean, I was just there for a short time, but I so remember the Oscar buzz going around the studio when we were there. I can hardly imagine what the excitement level was after the actual Best Picture nomination. Would you mind taking us behind the scenes during that time at the studios and then onto Oscar night for Beauty and the Beast? Were you able to attend the Oscars or did you watch at home with with popcorn like I did?
3: (laughs) Well, they, of course, couldn't invite the entire crew to the Oscars, but I mean, that day, oh my gosh, it was such a buzz. Uh, We, at that time, animation were in, um, was in warehouses in Glendale, you know, (laughs) and so when we, I think I was working on, was I working on The Lion King yet? I might have been working on The Lion King at that time, and when it, Sorry, I'm I'm That's my brain okay. is starting to go on me, but I remember coming in and everyone was just a buzz. No work got done that day. We were all just what? all around the studio, um, just so excited about it. And then um, on Oscar night, what Disney did was they had a big party for us with big screens up everywhere so we could watch it, and they. Fed us and we just celebrated. And even though we lost, it was still kind of amazing to
0: oh sure yeah. be part of
3: it you know so wow. yeah it was pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I had popcorn that night, so <laughs> 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 yeah, <that's>,
2: <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely should have won. And you know, you mentioned <laughs> you just mentioned a couple of those Disney Renaissance um, films that you had a chance to work on. And Vanessa has a question about that. Oh.
1: Well, you worked in Disney animation during the time of the Disney renaissance, like Craig said. And and so we want to ask you, what was that like? And did you know you were in the midst of greatness? Or <laughs> can you tell us about working also with Don Hahn and with The Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, The Hunchback, and, and so many of those other amazing films of that time?
3: Well, it was, uh, we kind of knew um, after Little Mermaid that we we were like sort of on a roll and it was exciting and but I don't think we really thought of it as you know the renaissance you know the or or the the next I just we were all just so happy to be working and working at our dream job and and just just keep going. And I mean, Little Mermaid was one of my favorite fairy tales when I was always one of the two, you know, fairy tales that my brother <laughs> had had given me in the comic book form and, and Beauty and the Beast. So I was over the moon to work on those. And it was very exciting. And I had such wonderful mentors. So I was just really in a bubble during that time. It's one, of, I think it's my favorite time of my entire career uh, to be quite honest it was just so much fun and the people I worked with were so nice so talented and it was all about making these movies I mean the politics were usually with the executives and all of that but with amongst the artists we were just we were just enjoying working together and at least in the story department that's <laughs> that's my memory <laughs> of it. so um you know, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Mermaid. I was a uh, trainee on that one, and you know, I got to work with, say, Roger Allers, who eventually directed Lion King, and you know, he was my main mentor at that point. And um, and then Beauty and the Beast, he was the head of story, so I was kind of like his second in command. Would I just would help out if he needed extra help as head of story? But but we shared an office and just did so much together and um it was so much fun. And then when he got asked to direct Lion King, he then asked me to be head of story. Um and which is a joke in itself in that I was trying to avoid that project like the plague because it had been development hell forever and it didn't (laughs) be good. And I was aiming for um a version of Swan Lake that Mike Gabriel was trying to get going but then another studio did Swan Princess so they shut that down and I had said you know if you I if you want to consider me for a head of story it was the first time I'd already gone in and asked you know to be considered and then I realized uh oh <laughs> Roger's going to direct the king of the jungle and he's going to ask me to be his head of story and he did and I was like oh I can't say no because he will never ask me again <laughs> but, <laughs> turned out to be an amazing project and amazing you know it was just such a great opportunity and I was just too short-sighted at the time to realize it until I got into it and then it was amazing.
2: And this is just a guess, but, you know, because of the twaz entertainment, and it seems like you really enjoy literary um, works as well, the fact that uh, The Lion King so closely matches with Hamlet, I'm sure that that was something that, you know, you uh, got to enjoy going back and, and reading that Shakespeare and reading all of this and, and getting ready for that. So that's incredible. Um, you know, one thing that I, we failed to mention at the beginning of the interview, we mentioned you are a central Illinois native, but just in case people that uh, missed our first interview with you a few years back, which we can also post again. Uh, so you could go back and listen to that interview, but uh, you're from Beeson, Illinois. And can you just sure. give a, a quick, um, version of your story of how you came from Beeson and then moved out to LA?
1: Yeah. How do you get out of central Illinois? Some of us would love to know. (laughs) Well, (laughs) um, I just, when
3: I was little, I just drew all the time. And so I was kind of known as the drawer (laughs) at school and, you know, the artistic one. uh, um, It was me and a couple of other friends, you know, but I just kept going with it and, um and then uh when I got into high school I I at Lincoln uh we had to get bussed into Lincoln for high school I uh just kept going and I realized I didn't know what I I just knew I wanted to draw for a living and then one day I was watching an animated film um and actually accidentally stayed for the credits <laughs> and, and realized <laughs> Oh, people make these things. <laughs> they just <laughs> exist, you know. It's just that's sort of the, my naive uh, small town <laughs> approach to animation. They just happened, you know. <laughs> um, and so that's when I started looking into it. And a friend of a friend. Um, sorry, I get my. Let me. I lost you guys for a minute. Okay. So um, a friend of a friend of my sister's uh, had a cousin who worked for Disney out in California and he was live action. And so she got me um, his phone number and we talked and uh, I told him what I really wanted to do. So he um, got me the name and address of the animation studio because all of this is pre-internet. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and so uh, I, I called them and no, I wrote to, I wrote to them and asked them what I needed to do to become an animator. And they, uh, wrote me back amazingly and sent me, um, some brochures for Cal arts, California Institute of the arts, which was a a school that was started by Disney for animation specifically, but for the arts, it has five, uh, different arts, um, within it, dance, theater, uh, uh, fine art, uh, music. It just, it was, it's quite a school, but, um, but that it was really expensive. So I had to work for a few years. I went to Lincoln College for two years, worked for two years and then um, uh, got rejected the first time I applied to CalArts. And you know, by the time I was 21, I was on my way to California. <laughs> <laughs> I got into CalArts and that's how I got into Disney.
2: That's wonderful. What a wonderful story. And then uh Brett has a question about one of your earlier uh jobs on Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
0: Okay. Yeah, well it's a, you worked as an in-betweener. Uh-huh. Uh, wow. I when we when we spoke with um uh with Floyd Norman, he said that everyone starts as an in-betweener, so I'm like, going, you're in very good company, <laughs> but you know that already, so, but with so many, but with Roger, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, there are so many animated characters from so many films and studios, and all of that was hand-drawn animation, <sighs> <I'm> like,
3: was. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, so, uh, you know, so the in-betweens, I'm like going, uh, how many, how long is this film, but anyway, but, um, <laughs> But Who Framed Roger Rabbit is still quite an artistic and technical achievement because it was live action animated hybrid film. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience.
3: Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is, is that I'd started in, as a story trainee um, on Little Mermaid. But after that, they said, you know what, your draftsmanship has a lot to be desired. So we're going to put you in cleanup you know and see if that'll help but you know it's kind of the opposite of what should have happened they should have just made me take drawing classes (laughs) because you have to draw so tight but but they gave me the choice uh between that and then um there was another film I think Billy Joel did the music about a dog and I can't remember oh Oliver and Company. and Company. Company yes and so I could work they told me I could choose which one I wanted to work on and I thought Roger Rabbit is gonna make history. I think I wanna work, work on that oh, wow. one. So, yeah. that's, that's the one right. I gotta work on. But it was such a challenge because I the LA unit did the Weasels and Benny the Cab and um that group. And so I just remember in between weasels and trying to 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 get their feet uh Stuck to an oil spot on the the road because Bob Zemeckis, live action director, he doesn't hold off the camera like you do in traditional animation. It, the camera was always kind of moving, and so oh my gosh, <laughs> how to how to uh, glue those feet down to to the the film itself? You know, it looked like they're floating, so. So you were anything you could find that, you know, what was it on the last frame? Okay, so I have to shift it just a little bit to make sure it's still on the same spot. Wow. It was a technical uh, craziness. And luckily I had some great uh, supervisors who helped me with that. Renee Holt was one of them, she was amazing. But um, uh, yeah, it was, it was. and Benny the cab was fun to draw. Um, he was, oh, he was wow. a little easier than the weasels.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Well and I'm gonna watch it again and go, you know, oh my gosh, look at the where where are their feet? Where are their feet? Where are their feet? <laughs> I'm like going, and I'm sure it'll be gorgeous. I can't wait to see it again. But that's yeah. just that Brenda, you should know yeah. that
1: anytime anybody tells us anything, we go tell everyone else. Now you know, Brenda's sad in this scene, and we're, we're not above that. We're going to do that. Yeah.
2: Part of our, our friends, friends each all our, hate us you know? at this point. Our friends so, all hate us, for sure. Yeah, we have um,
1: no real friends, but it's funny.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's just ahead, the three of us but, now. It's yeah, kind of sad, but that's all we have. So. Jumping
2: ahead a bit in your career, um, <laughs> you were given the responsibility of really bringing DreamWorks animation to life. Uh, because you were given the directing role of the Prince of Egypt, which was going to be their first animated feature. And so you, we spoke about this just a little bit in our previous interview, but I uh, wonder if you could talk about that experience in particular, getting that call from Steven Spielberg to talk about, Hey, can you come on board on this project and kind of how all of that worked and uh, what it was like working on that project?
0: Uh,
3: well, um it was it was more Jeffrey Katzenberg when he left Disney or our, he, he knew that our contracts were up the same day. <laughs> so so he he wanted me to go over after working with him on the Lion King. He'd gotten to know me and um, uh, respected my story work. So uh, but I I was really concerned because Jeffrey wouldn't tell me what the project was. And so um he wouldn't tell me, wouldn't tell me. And then, so I wasn't just coming over on his say-so. So, so he had Spielberg call me. Um, and and I still remember picking up the phone in my little box of an office at, at Disney. And uh, hi, Brenda, it's Steven. And I'm like, Steven? And he goes, Spielberg. And I was like, oh. so I get up, I shut the door. You know, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. So he was so nice and he just you know said you know we'd really love for you to come over and and all of that and uh just just really nice and and he was taking Jeffrey's word for everything you know (laughs) so um after that Jeffrey called me and then he told me what the project was and then I balked even more because I thought you know you you know you realize you're taking God on as a subject matter (laughs) and how hard that's gonna be um but he but you know the more I thought about it and uh you know it was starting um to get weirdly political at Disney and at the time and so I just thought you know what it's time for a change and I thought I was going over just to be uh to uh build the story department that I was going to head up the whole story department and get that going but uh discovered that Jeffrey had been asking people to direct and he kept getting turned down <laughs> So finally I got on the list. It was like my senior prom. (laughs) You know there was a guy at senior prom who kept showing me letters to all these girls he wanted to go to prom with and they kept rejecting him. And then finally I got my own letter. (laughs) But uh, but at the same time, you know, I I think he had faith that I could do it and we had a it was it was exciting, you know, the the whole starting up a whole studio and all these people who, who came on um, to, to do something new and exciting. And it was a very different tone of film than what we had done at Disney and what some of the people had done at Amblimation before that. So um, it, it, I'm very proud of it. And I had a really good time I worked with, luckily, you know, my co-directors, I got along with them great. We got to know each other and we were on the same page and just uh, were able to uh make a cohesive <laughs> film.
2: Yeah, it's such a such a wonderful film too. So I encourage anybody that some some way you missed The Prince of Egypt to go back and watch that film because it is just so wonderful. But Brett, you have a question uh more specific to working with Jeffrey Katzenberg.
0: Well, yeah, that's a little bit of a spoiler or a hint anyway, so you're ready. Okay, (laughs) so, but through the years, and thanks now to all of the extras on Disney+, Plus, I've watched the various making-ofs. I'm a big making-of person. (laughs) (laughs) But but watching all the making-of shorts about Disney films, including the animated films of the Disney Renaissance, Um, like from 1989's Little Mermaid to 1999's Tarzan. Great film, by the way. Great film and great (laughs) and kind director, your <laughs> husband, Kevin Lima. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you,
2: you know, this is when uh, I was going to, I was looking at uh, Brett's script uh, here for the question. And I have to say, I just wanted to butt in and say this now uh, to you and to Kevin. Um, you were uh, some of the, the first interviews that I had an opportunity to do. And it really opened the door for possibility for me. And then uh, at the beginning of this whole Uh, global thing we got going on we uh, reached out to Kevin and he was so gracious with his time and at that um, in really both interviews he's given some advice uh, and he said you just got to go and ask for it and we've been doing that ever since uh, and we have had so many phenomenal experiences through, uh, basically through your family. Uh, and we really give you a lot of credit for that. So we, I just want to say thank you to the two of you because just, um, I mean, we've, we've spoken to so many people we would have never had. We would have never felt like we could have asked, uh, had we not just getting that, got that little push and that little bit of advice. So I wanted to butt into this middle of this question and just say, thank you for that.
3: I will tell him you said that because that's that's his mantra. <laughs> yeah. yeah also,
2: Kevin,
1: Kevin said that he would tell Phil Collins that I said hello, so I hope <laughs> he did because I'm a big fan of Phil. <laughs>
0: like Christmas is just around the corner, Stephanie. So, you know, like,
1: like, uh, anyway, oh back gosh. to you, Brett. <laughs> yeah, back
2: to you, Brett. In the middle of a
0: question. Yes. Well, okay, but during that time in the Disney Renaissance. Jeffrey Katzenberg was chairman of Walt Disney Studios. And while watching the behind the scenes, it's clear that he was a driving force behind the success of The Lion King and other films. But you worked with him uh, at Disney and then with the Prince of Egypt. So here are my here's my two part question. A, what's it like working with Jeffrey Katzenberg? And B, he seems to be a very passionate and intense person. Any lighthearted or funny moments or stories you can share? Um, did you did you ever have one of his famous breakfast meetings? And how does he like his eggs? <laughs> so, you can answer any of those or one of them or whatever, but yeah. How does he <laughs> like his eggs? Did you ever have a breakfast <laughs> meeting? I just think that's just fascinating. So You know
3: what? I can't remember what he answered. Oh <laughs> he didn't have one Jeffrey. <laughs> he was a kindler, gentler Jeffrey on, on at DreamWorks when on Prince of Egypt. I think he was a very humbled man, um, having left the way he did, and then having two really close friends help him, uh, Mike uh Steven Spielberg and David Geffen, you know, help him with DreamWorks. And so he 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 was uh he was a lot of fun to work with. He was a tough nut. Um, you know, and we could butt heads. It's like that's one thing I really respected about Jeffrey is that you know, didn't always agree with what he said, or he didn't always agree with what I said, but we could talk about it. And, and I had to get used to the idea of, you know, just some like, this is how it is, blah, 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 blah. I had to get used to that and not take it in my little Midwestern, oh, you know, <laughs> art too hard sure <laughs> and then found out that i could sort of give it back but I probably a little more um what some people would say canadian you know <laughs> a midwestern canadian thing but um uh he he was i can't think of any particular i'm trying to think of oh a that's okay uh that's it's just
0: good funny. to know that yeah that you had a good time working with them
3: yeah, I, I think um, it was hard at the end when he sold DreamWorks. Uh, it did feel a little bit like a betrayal to all the people who had followed him there and, and people who had, Kevin had a project there, I had a project there, and then it just all went away. Um, so that, that was rough, you know. So, you know, it's it's a, it's a love, hate, good, yeah. you know. <laughs> Take the good
0: with the bad, unfortunately. He did, he
3: did really... Push, once he saw what the quality of work we were doing at Disney, he really got behind it because I think there was a time when, before they showed up that they were considering shutting down
0: animation completely. Wow. Well, thank you for doing yeah. all that hard work. So <laughs> <laughs> you and everyone there, so. Yeah.
3: The other thing I'll say about Jeffrey though, is that he, um, he was very supportive of women. In the industry, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't have gotten a job at Disney if it hadn't been for him. Because uh, I've told this story before, but when I went in, I, the some of the artists, you know, they look at your your portfolio when you put it in. I was fresh out of Cal Arts and they noticed my student film and liked it, so they put my name up as a new as possible new story trainee, and they. Uh, so I went in for my entrance interview, and uh, the guy who was running. Um, I think his name was Ed Hansen. at the time he blatantly told me that the only reason I was in his office and having this interview was because the guys up the new guys upstairs were giving them flack about not having women in creative positions so so and there were no women in story you know so I was the first story in decades and uh, so and I, I put that with with Jeffrey mainly, because he, through his entire career in animation, always had women in creative roles and producerial roles and, you know, all of that. So for that, um, I always give him credit and I'm very grateful. I wouldn't have the career I had with that. That is
0: good. Well, it, yeah. now you kind of look at that as, well, how could they not, but at the time, that's just the way it was. Yeah. So, so yeah. thank you for, thank you all for your progress. And more and more yeah. and more. We need everyone yeah. to yeah. do everything.
2: So certainly need certainly need even more progress today for sure. Um, Vanessa, you had a question again about Prince of Egypt.
1: Yes, well, that's a movie that I really remember enjoying as a young person, and the song "When You Believe." I won't sing it right now because there's no way I could do it justice. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was the song that every aspiring theater kid tried to sing. And so, can you tell us? Maybe more about making the movie. And I also just have to ask, um, do you have any stories about Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston? Because that song is just iconic. (laughs) And the music video is also iconic. (laughs) Oh, it
3: was uh, such a, like I said before, it was such a pleasure to work Mm -hmm. on. It was exciting. It um, was, was groundbreaking for all of us, you know, just being able to, deal with subject matters that were a little deeper than things that we've dealt with before but um, um, I unfortunately didn't get to sit in on the recording session but what I did get I got to hear the playback and Hans Zimmer trying to put it all together and everything and the funny thing was you know everybody just as in the voice and the voice performances when you're doing a character even in songs you do multiple takes and it was funny because they were trying to outrift each other, yeah where, where where is the tune? It was just it was like you know all over the place, and it was beautiful, but it was like they lost sometimes the tune of their- yeah, the melody, yeah that's, it. that's the word I'm looking for, yeah, but so it was really funny, so Hans had to get in there and you know find those moments when they did, you know, and even Schwartz was going crazy and. That was kind of funny.
2: <laughs> that's a, oh wow, that's I'm a great so story. <laughs> I, oh my gosh! I so
1: suspected that. Listen, I'm like they're both just they're riffing, they're riffing. They're riffing. I'm like and, and they're so good at it too. Like I said, we can't do justice, but I I wondered that.
3: <laughs> but you know they they just did it. it was they you know it's a beautiful song they did a beautiful job with it but it was funny.
0: <laughs> I bet. Oh my gosh! Wow. Wow. Well, the throwdown. I, if there's a throwdown, as far as I'm concerned, um, Whitney won. So, yeah, I, <laughs> this, I, is I like so, this is my right, opinion. This so. is my opinion.
1: But I'll uh, I'll move Sorry. on to our next question. In case you know Mariah ever comes knocking, I um, know, like, so, like, don't hate me. <laughs> um, Brave is a favorite of ours as well. And in fact, when I told my brother I was going to be speaking with you, he then proceeded to quote lines from the film to me so you know who would have thought but um can I just say thank you I'm sorry what's up how old is your brother um he is 40 so (laughs) (laughs) he was he's he's an older guy and uh like I, I told him like oh I do this Disney podcast he's like oh so you talk about Disney movies I'm like well we're actually gonna be talking to Brenda from Brave and he's like Brave and then he starts doing the lines for me so you know big fans apparently in my in my family and why wouldn't we be it's a great movie um and i want to say thank you too for having curly haired girls represented and brave because little mermaid hair is so not attainable yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> um, but- yeah obviously we wanted to ask you about the movie and specifically I wanted to ask you about the relationship between Merida and her mother um is that a relationship that you relate to in any way because I know I I personally relate to Merida and I know this is terrible but I was cheering a little bit when Merida's mom turns into a bear um don't tell my mom I said that but you know I had those feelings so I just (laughs) wanted to ask you what were your feelings (laughs)
3: Well, that, I mean, that's what it's all based on. It was inspired by my relationship with my daughter when, and I started thinking of this up, thinking up these things when she was about four years old, because I was working on, I just moved up to Pixar from, uh, to the Bay Area from LA, and uh, she was preschool age, and I was having to get her up and get ready for school, and she just argued every step of the way just didn't and I was thinking you know this is supposed to be a teenager you know this is what teenagers do what are you going to be like as a teenager you know and every day I drive into work going uh, thinking about her And thus Merida was born, you know, that I started thinking about it so much that I thought I have to channel this into something. And so my love of my daughter, my love of fairy tales, and my love of Scotland are the three things that made that film. And, but, but yes, it's, she was just, just a four year old, but she grew up to be a teenager and oh my gosh, yes, I was spot on. but but then you know my relationship with my mother um i i was very close with my mom and i i was the youngest and i guess i saw all my siblings drive my mother crazy so i was like okay don't do that don't do that don't do that and i'll get much more out of life with my mom <laughs> if i'm a good girl so so i i didn't i wasn't quite that teenager to my mom but i understood the frustration so so yes um, and I and I always said that you know if Merida had managed to turn, I mean if Emma had managed to turn me into a bear, she would have been pointing me out to her dad. You know,
1: <laughs> shoot, there she is,
3: shooter. You know? <laughs> oh, oh, oh.
0: oh. As a- I found
3: out. Oh she denies it, but I don't
2: know. <laughs> As someone that has a four-year-old now, uh, I, I can relate to that so much more than the last time we spoke because it took about 25 minutes for him to put pants on this morning. Come on, child. Oh. You got to change every single day. That's just something you do every yeah. day, but that's so that's so great. Um, and we do. We really love Brave so much, um, but we want to also ask you questions about your new film, which which uh, at the time of this recording, it's actually coming out tomorrow on video on demand. We will be releasing this interview a bit later. So it's actually widely available right now for anybody to go check out video on demand. It's called come away and it combines Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland and some of those amazing stories. And, and again, that fairy tale aspect to these. Um, But what was it about those two stories in particular, Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland that made you feel compelled to you um direct this picture
3: um well i just i i love both of those stories i grew up with both of those stories and uh um when i read marissa's script uh what i loved was that it was set it was grounded in a real world albeit a period world but um but also um that there was a tragic aspect to it, you know, and and yes, in Lion King, I dealt with Mufasa's death and and Prince of Egypt, all of that, but there was something really appealing to me to be able to explore something a little deeper than what I um, normally got to explore in animation. Um, But uh, it 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 wasn't something that I was aiming to do because I I love animation and I never intended to direct a live action film it just wasn't my aspiration but the script ended in my lap and I thought well (laughs) if I'm gonna do one this is probably it so so um did I answer the question I... yeah,
2: you sure did, and you know that's uh, it actually leads me to another question, which is the fact that this is a live action piece and you've uh, your career has been in animation. And I know that Kevin has had a similar experience with uh, having done animation, then also directing Enchanted and 102 Dalmatians. Is there um, there is a difference? I'm sure in directing for animation versus live action. But how did you see that difference, and and what uh, what did you enjoy about the live action experience? Um, the the
3: the, the huge difference was, in and just how you have to fly by the seat of your pants uh, every day, trying to get enough footage um, and to make sure you have enough to cut together at the end of the process for an animation. I think a lot of people don't know, but a lot of people do now that you pre-edit your movie because you're you're basically making your film via storyboards and you get to rework and rework and rework the story until you've got it just the way you want it, where you're kind of like, "Okay, here we go. Let's pong that out there and see what happens. You know every, each shot you're hoping is the right is gonna work in the film so that that uncertainty was a little scary to me, but it was kind of uh invigorating at the same time um but i think I think what I really enjoyed was being on the sets. Um, and in the locations with the actors and seeing them get into their characters through their costume and being in the place and their makeup and their hair. Um, Because in animation, um, you really have to try to help the actor get into that through the visuals that all the, what you have um, for animation, you surround them with paintings and, and, photographs and whatever you can of of the work that you've done so they can kind of put their heads in the character where on live action they kind of embody that as opposed to so i that was fascinating and working with the kids was a lot of fun they were um everybody said oh that's going to be so hard kids on your first live action movie it's like well I worked with kids before you know Um, (laughs) Jonathan Taylor Thomas was a sweetheart you know it was great to work with but um but he they were so good and the whole thing was about having them play in the beginning and those were some of the first scenes we shot with them playing in the woods and and all of that and playing at the house and so it uh it, it it was just fun i just had a good time and they were great kids
1: that's wonderful where did you, um film film this um movie you said you're on location where was that at In the uk um i yeah. did most
3: of it there all the uh, extra we were in um oh it's the queen's uh woods that i forget oh windsor um we we got to shoot out there in their forest which was amazing um they'd only recently just started allowing filming in those woods so you don't see a lot of that but um um and uh we had some sets there um but then to to shoot everything angelina could only uh shoot here in LA or down in LA and so the last 3 weeks of the shoot we we replicated sets um for in the interiors of the house um so for her to for her to uh, to be shot in. So it was it was uh it was like wow, you know
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, how good that. things are aren't they though really yeah
2: <laughs> and Brett well, you actually have a question about oh, uh, Miss Julie. Yeah.
0: I I just have to ask I I attended last year's D23 Expo and watched as Angelina Jolie took the stage and and she was introduced for Maleficent, Mistress of Evil and for the Eternals. And I was sitting easily 40 feet away or more and she took my breath away. What a presence. It, It was like all of the air rearranged its molecules when she walked across the stage literally it was amazing the experience was amazing and literally breathtaking okay so she is in your film come away what was your experience with her like does she in fact rearrange air molecules all the time everywhere she goes
3: pretty much yes really (laughs) yeah and she she knows what she wants and she knows how she wants to do it and she's professional and she um She was very supportive of me um and it was uh it was a good experience I mean I sort of gave her free reign on her costumes and her um she wanted to find the look of uh, the queen of hearts and so she and her costume and and makeup artist, you know, they, they, I kept saying, can I come in and see? And she goes, no, just give us a little more time. And so when she walked onto the set in that magnificent, uh, look of the way she'd done her hair and this, she put this prosthetic on her forehead, it was amazing. So scary, but beautiful at the same time. So, yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. yeah. It was, well, uh, cool. That's good to know. That is wonderful. Literally. Yeah.
2: Moves yeah. the air.
1: Molecules.
2: Yes. I <laughs> <That> was amazing. <laughs> Vanessa, you had our next question.
1: Yeah, well, I did want to um go back to what you said about um grief and um animation in children's films. So, um, you know, you mentioned the storyline of The Lion King and Mufasa's death, which by the way, even as adults, we're we still haven't gotten over it. So, <laughs> with your new film Come Away, which by the way, we just we really loved watching that film. Um, it's just i would I would describe it as like whimsical and um just really it was a delight that's why I had to ask about where it was filmed because I felt like I was taken away someplace as well so um <laughs> yeah i i we really enjoyed it so but we wanted to ask you about um those in a way teachable moments in the film, so what's your philosophy on telling stories to children about grief and life's not so happy moments
3: um I just, uh, I've always thought that your imagination is what you get to escape into to help you cope with things. Um, And I've always uh, followed that line of thought, you know, I know, I got some grief in an interview about Mufasa's death and how, you know, traumatizing that is. And I go, yes, it is, but it's on screen. And it's safe. It's not happening to them. They they're watching it, and their parents can talk to them about it and instead of telling them, "Oh, everything's perfect and everybody loves everybody." That's not setting up them up very well for the world. You know, that's I, I think that's over sheltering. And so, what safer place than in your own home or sitting between your parents in a movie theater to see these things and. You know, they weren't graphic. It's not gory. It's not any of that kind of yeah. thing. I'm not what I mean. I'm just saying there are difficult things in life. That, um, and that's what I love about fairy tales because that's what they are. They're cautionary tales, and some pretty horrible things happen in fairy tales. You know, but, um, but, but you get a lesson out of it and how to look at it. You know, it, it just sort of helps you with life's lessons. So.
1: Yeah. And even as an adult, as I'm watching it, I'm, I'm seeing that, you know, grief, children handle grief differently and they see things differently. And I think both Lion King and Come Away really communicates that well. So there's something for kids to take away and for adults as well. That remember, you know, the kids may not be seeing this in the same eyes that I'm seeing it. So I thought that was so perfect. Oh, thank Thank you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Brett, you had another Come Away question. Well, there are
0: several well-known actors in the film. So what was it like working with David Oyelowo and Michael kane?
3: Oh, that was, I think David Oyelowo was a little like
1: fluttery. To, to be honest.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was lovely. Um, um, David, uh, I think was so excited to be, offered the role um, because he'd never thought he would get to be in one of these period films that he's always loved these things and so I remember when I went to meet with him he he'd said you know I was waiting for that moment to tell me why I was asked to do this script like there was something in it and then he got to the end and he was like there wasn't anything it's just a couple with these two kids you know it wasn't like Oh, it's because he's Black, that he's got this, that you know, it was just, and the script wasn't written, you know, it, I think Marissa initially thought, you know, okay, it's a white, it, she wasn't even thinking racially, you know, it was just, mm-hmm. this is the story, and it was just because I'm, I'm a fan of his, and I love it, loved his work in Selma, especially, and he just has that thing, I, when i saw his name on the cast list as a possibility i originally i went past it thinking oh that's a shame i'd love to work with him and then i thought wait a minute but we're both back why not and and started going through the story and you didn't have to change anything it, it worked beautifully so so uh so he was excited and and i was very much when i talked to him i said I realize I'm stepping in a world that I don't know a lot about. I'm a middle-aged white woman and and I and I I'm you know, I just want to be open to everything. So if I'm making a mistake along the way or there's something that's not right, you know, that you and he was so gracious about it. And so he kinda of held my hand through the whole process, but there really wasn't any landmines to step on because it was just a story about this couple with these children going
0: through what they were going through so and I think that's you know I think sort of the exceptional part of the casting of this that it's just it it, it you just let it happen and and I think that that's a really good message for us right now you know this is just a story
3: it, it was
0: you know it might look a little different and it might take just a moment but uh-huh. when you when you're in it it makes no difference whatsoever yeah. and in fact you know, I applaud that. I think it's great. So, you know, again, you know, white guy, but, you know, I'm (laughs) like, like, you know, every opportunity for everyone, you know, so.
3: And the thing is, when we were making it, we didn't know the pandemic was going to happen. We didn't know Black Lives Matter was going to explode like it did, you know, just, we were just making this movie, you know, so I'm, I'm sort of in awe of the timing of how this has worked out that I hope you know, people are it's something that they will enjoy and be accepting of. Right? Although we've already had the issue of having it, uh, IMDB having to shut down. But I don't know if you heard about that, but a lot of people going in and putting negative reviews before they've even seen it just to, because they didn't like that the kids were multiracial. Ugh. Well,
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: Frustrating. so frustrating. <laughs> we yes, yeah, yeah. so frustrating. And I, I, I but I think I think you know, looking at it from the other side and the other perspective to think about, you know, I have had the privilege of always having myself represented in these characters. Peter Pan is always a white little boy, and you can see him and in like so to me, that was something that I had growing up, and now you 're providing that for so many other kids that did not have that opportunity before, and so I think that that is where. You know the the world is full of very questionable individuals right now, but the the yeah. fact that the fact that we that you know like that that whole idea that representation truly does matter. You mentioned about Jeffrey Katzenberg bringing women into animation and how much yeah. that had an impact on your life and your career. And now think about what you're able to do um, through your art, getting that representation, and what that's going to do for other kids coming up who are finally going to see themselves in peter pan in alice like that is that is monumental in my mind. So it's just great. It's just wonderful. And, uh, you you know, (laughs) we learned on a diatribe about the other side of that, but, uh, but, you know, just the, the amazing creativity that you uh, brought to this film. It's just wonderful. It's just a wonderful film. Whimsical is the right word. It's, it takes you away into a place and tells you a full story and uh, you know, it, it all, all gets where it's going. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. So I would, I, I can't recommend it enough to people to go and check out this film on uh, video on demand. Um, you can find that on all of those different platforms, surely. So, uh, you know, we've, we've had the chance to interview a lot of creative interview individuals during the pandemic, uh, because, again, going back to, your husband telling us to get out there and do it. So we have been. And, and what we found is that uh, the flow of creativity isn't really stopping, that people are still working on things. They're still getting their projects out there. And so we just wanted to ask and finish on uh, what you have coming next. What is uh, some other projects that you're working on? If you can tell us any of them. Uh, when we had talked to Kevin, he mentioned something about the cartoon touch uh, that was something that was being worked on, so just didn 't know if you had any projects coming up you 'd like to talk about
3: well um i 'm uh, well cartoon touch sort of got into the the got mixed into the mire of disney buying clocks you know mm-hmm. and, and that okay. whole thing. so it's sort of stalled out for the moment and uh, we haven't given up on it <laughs> but, um, for me for right now i've actually because of the pandemic and everything i've decided to take a sabbatical and work on some of my personal projects i'm trying to write a book a couple of books I've got actually three that, that I that are floating around, but one is a novel that I eventually like to turn into a um, an animated film. Um, it's uh, based on a very obscure Grimm's fairy tale, which I'm not going to
0: say because it's public domain, so I don't want anybody getting <laughs> <this. laughs> that's enough. You don't have to say anything else. It might be Grim Brothers, or it might be the brothers who live next door.
2: Yeah, uh, you know. <laughs>
3: And uh, I have another, um, a children's book that's based on my um, uh, film, my film that got me hired at Disney from, that I did at CalArts, it's a student film, so it's, a, it, I've been working on that on and off for about 20 years, and then the other one is a memoir, um, considering uh, I've I've written things over the years, so it's just a matter of trying to put things together and see if anybody has any interest whatsoever, so...
2: <laughs> We do. Well, certainly we we do. do. (laughs) We do. So you've got at least three readers you can tell a picture (laughs) editor i you can name three people that for sure will read this book but that's that's wonderful that uh you we might be able to experience that through writing and and everything and and of course we'd love to to have you back on when uh when all those projects come in the future but thank you so much for sitting down with us today and to talk to us about uh, some of the points of your career and then also your new wonderful movie uh that i really can't promote enough Enough, uh, to have people go out there and watch. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to watch that. It was wonderful.
3: I'm glad they got it to you in time. Thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, Brenda, uh, and have a great day. Me
3: too. It was really nice
1: talking to you all.
2: Awesome.
0: The other thing oh. I just have to say, I have thanks. To, I know this is Really, people could care less. But anyway, thanks to Ancestry.com oh, yeah. I have found out. I have found out that I am fifty percent Scottish. So yeah. I think I fifty percent, fifty percent. I guess you can kind of see. But anyway, fifty percent Scottish. So now I have to go watch uh, Brave again because I think it has to become my favorite movie. I don't know because I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to get to Brave part. You know.
3: Well, anyway, <laughs> well,
0: you know, but thank you. So.
3: I'm oh, like going Scottish. Yeah, I know I'm more Scottish than I thought I was too, which is just amazing. And it, and it keeps I've changing worked.
0: a little bit, but you know, yeah. I mean it you
3: know, I get more, you know, so I'm I like, got
0: fifty percent. <laughs> I'm like going and I can't do a Scottish accent to
2: save my yeah, life. Oh. I'm I like going, Oh look at it.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so.
2: What a wonderful Wonderful experience it was to be able to talk to Brenda about all of her career. I mean, I think we could have had uh, talked to her for hours with all of the work that she's done and all of the magic and creativity that she has brought to this planet. I love being able to talk to her. Brett, talk to me about your thoughts. This is uh, your first chance to talk to Brenda. What do you think?
0: Well, it's, it's so nice to see someone from around here do so well you know, in the business, you know, so that's amazing. And, you know, she sort of um, confirmed my theory that that Angelina Jolie is magical. Who knew? I'm like going, she changes the air molecules whenever she walks into a room. So anyway.
2: Yeah, and that was great. I mean, to, I kind of thought so, but there. It yeah. was great to talk was, to her about uh, that, you know, that cast and that amazing film that she has come away so you can check that out on video on demand for sure Um, but Vanessa your thoughts on talking with Brenda Chapman
1: I really love her and I feel like we have a lot in common like she's like oh I love period pieces and I'm like "Ah, I love period pieces and she's like I love fantasy I'm like "Ah, I love fantasy too and like we both kind of have curly hair and we've got like the Scottish thing going on and Brett's you know, one clan away, apparently, too. He's part Scottish. So, oh my you know, I just really love talking to her. I love talking to creative people. And she was so generous with her time to talk about her, you know, wonderful career. But also, I want to thank you, Craig, because you've been talking about uh, kind of holding it over our heads, perhaps a little bit that you had gotten to talk to Kevin Lima and Brendan Chapman. And Brett and I hadn't because we weren't, you know, we weren't a part of the podcast at that time. So, um, you know, um, but I'm so (laughs) thankful to you that you uh, got, you shared that with us, you reach out to them so that we could have a chance to talk to them. So I feel like now we owe you like maybe a trip to Disneyland. Like we have (laughs) to take you to Disney (laughs) so you can be a part of what we did. So so thank you to you for putting this all together.
2: You know, it's one of those things, though, Uh, they're so they're both so um, generous with their time. And uh, they're so supportive. You know, it's like, you you mentioned this in the thread, Vanessa, even before you had a chance to talk to Brenda, that, you know, sometimes uh, behind the podcast, we get we get relatively nervous about these things, right? You know, we get um, we get a bit butterflies in our stomach before we Mm -hmm. get going and, and all of that. But with this interview, Even at the beginning, it just felt more comfortable because it it almost feels like um, these are two individuals, really, that are just so generous and wonderful with their time and just so friendly and nice. And just like you're having a conversation with a friend. And that's exactly what it felt like today. And so I I think that um, even without me having interviewed them before, they were likely to say yes to us uh, along the way. And I'm just glad that you had the chance to meet with Brenda because she is just such a wonderful creative person who really loves her work and puts all of that passion into her work and it shows I mean go back and watch any of those Brenda Chapman films uh, basically the whole Disney renaissance in some way shape or form she worked on just about all of those films the Prince of Egypt is just a, a phenomenal film and I know it's DreamWorks so Sorry, Brett. <laughs> we have to mention so how I good have it I absolutely is. no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and then uh, also uh, the new film, Come Away. Uh, you know, and of course, I can't uh, forget to mention Brave, you know, all of these pieces that they had and and everything that she's been working on uh, is just phenomenal. I cannot wait. I hope that that memoir comes to pass, because I will for sure be uh, asking her for a signed copy and (laughs) (laughs) tell her to to send it our way, right? Um, But no, truly, thank you, Brenda, in case you're listening back, and especially even if Kevin, if you're listening back, we truly, truly value everything that you've done for us uh, and couldn't thank you enough for sure. So any final thoughts, Vanessa?
1: Well, we have gotten all of us tattoos that say WWKAB, what would Kevin and Brenda or D do? So we we uh, f- this podcast uh, thrives on what would Kevin and Brenda think of this? <laughs> what, would, what would they advise us to do? So Thank you to them. And also, really, again, if you haven't seen Come Away, please go watch it. Um, I really enjoyed, uh, so, so for those who may not know, it's a weaving of Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan, which we mentioned earlier. But the way they're woven together is, and, and the way the, um, it, it switches from real life to this whimsical fairy tale location, it's just a really delightful movie. And I hope you all enjoy it.
2: Absolutely. Brett, final thoughts?
0: I'm gonna go watch everything I've uh
2: everything she's done again right after this. <laughs> You're gonna have a it's, Brenda Renaissance.
0: I'm the yes, you know, especially brave because those are my people now that I know that I'm fifty percent Scottish.
2: So. yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, Of course, we love your support. If you're listening for the first time, please consider subscribing to the podcast on any podcast platform that you have available to you. You can also find us on nprillinois.org under the Community Voices tab. You can also follow us on social media if you search Beyond the Mouse on Facebook, also Beyond the Mouse Pod on Instagram as well as we are part of the Front Row Network. So you can search for them on all social media by searching for the Front Row Network. I always forget to mention, we also have for the network a Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash the Front Row Network, you can also sign up for some additional bonus content from us as hosts, all of the different hosts from the Front Row Network. And thank you for supporting our efforts to bring additional content to you as we move throughout the year. We are in the month of December. I cannot believe it. So we have some really fun Christmas episodes coming your way. And then of course, maybe um, one of my favorite episodes that we do each year and that's the year in review and while 2020 has been an interesting year it has been quite a gangbusters year for us here at beyond the mouse and we can't wait to uh review that with you and go back and look at all of those uh as we move along so and then we also have uh quite a special guest potentially joining us on christmas day so we're excited to unveil that in the near future be checking out on our social media for that announcement so yeah, and it ain't santa, santa. <laughs> Is that?
1: extra special
2: it might be santa i don't know maybe it's rudolph <laughs> maybe it's rudolph with his nose so bright oh gosh here we go won't you guys <laughs> to slay tonight oh, no. for beyond no, no, the no. mouse i am craig
1: I'm Vanessa. And
2: I'm Brett. And we will see you real soon in the Scottish Highlands. It'll be great. <laughs> I'm not going to try Z, that. I can't do it. I can't do it. But my
1: last name is no, no, right. so I can do it a little bit. Hey, that's pretty good. Ferguson. Oh, my hey, gosh. Oh
2: my! I didn't know that we could be related.
1: That's so exciting. We might you be. <laughs>
2: Am I not related to any of you guys? I think I'm mostly Irish.
1: McFarland, you can still come and have a pint with us.
2: (laughs) Okay. I certainly can have some pints, that's for sure.